from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's actually going to be a weirdly quiet Friday when it comes to college football in the triangle. Duke on the road. We're about to talk about Mike Elko in, in that situation. North Carolina on the road. NC State on the road. Everybody on the road. Uh, Canes are home, though. We'll talk about that. You can hear Canes games right here on 99.9 The Fan. Uh, Duke at UVA. Duke football has had to overcome a lot this year, right? Specifically quarterback kind of, uh, I don't know, falling like flies or falling like dominoes, dropping like flies. Started with Riley Leonard, then it was Henry Beelan. Now they're down to Grayson Wimbush, their true freshman third-string quarterback. That's a lot to overcome. Also, a, a very, very difficult schedule they've had to overcome. The one, the kind that even before, right, the kind that even before we saw the the quarterback struggles they were going to have, we knew their schedule was a tough one to to line up and knock down. Well, b- during the the preseason, I said there's a chance this is going to be the best six win team in the country, and no one else is going to get it because uh, they're going to be you know, significantly improved from their nine win se- nine win season a season ago, and and yet still only win six games because their schedule was so difficult. That's one thing, but now another obstacle has popped up for them ahead of the UVA game. Mike Elko's future. It's a distraction. It's a something in the back of your mind. Mike Elko is the the betting favorite, has been for a couple days uh, at, at certain sports books. The betting favorite to be the next coach of Texas A and M, and Texas A and M routinely is in the top handful of schools when it comes to revenue and athletics budgets, which means they've got cash that not many schools can keep up with. So when that team is rumored to be interested in your coach, there's there's a lot of quaking in, in your boots. Right there, There's a lot of, can we keep him? Will he stay? Does he want us? Are we good enough? On and on and on and on. Let's hear from Mike Elko on what he thinks the point of emphasis for the Duke Blue Devils will be over the final two games. Yeah, I mean, the character and the culture. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and um, you know, we've got a lot of guys. I talked to the, the leadership group about this. We've got a lot of older guys in this program um, that their legacy is going to be how this season finishes. And, and they have a lot of pride in that. And so I think as, as we move forward down the stretch here, um, you know, I, I know we kind of want to lump seasons into success and failure, but there's a lot of degrees in this thing. And so between six and six and eight and four is a huge difference. And, and that's not lost on anyone in our locker room. And so, um, you know, Charlotte's not alive anymore, but, but, you know, we still have a lot to play for coming down the stretch. There is a lot to play for. You are bowl eligible. How can a coach stand in front of the team and ask them to stick together and sacrifice for one another and everything else a coach asks for when you might have one eye out the door? And and the other option is maybe Mike Elko has looked his team in the eye and said, I'm not leaving. Right, he did the Mac Brown. I'm not going anywhere. If he's done that privately, why hasn't he done that publicly? 
We've gotten vague references to how much he loves Duke. We've gotten vague references to how much his family loves the area. We've gotten vague references to everybody always thinks I'm leaving, but he has not said, no, I'm not. I love what he said at the beginning of that soundbite. I think it was attitude and culture. And when you just look at what he's been able to establish with this Duke football team over the past two years, the culture has changed significantly. Not, a ton. Not taking anything away from David Cutcliffe, but, you know, it just got to a point where – I think Cutcliffe it, had a similar effect at times early yeah. in his stay at, at Duke as far as changing the culture. Yeah, but towards culture. the end, it was just and, time for a rechange. Yep. But, you know, I, I believe Elko has really taken pride of what he's done at Duke, how he's been able to put the football program on the map and – I, I, I'm with you. I just don't see how you could stand in front of a locker room in these last two games and give a rah-rah, you know, let's finish out the season strong, when in the back of his mind he knows that he would be leaving to take another coaching job. And and there are ways around it, right? There are speeches about, hey, this isn't about, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. This is about tonight. This is about the next 60 minutes of football, and we're going to play every last one. If you can do that, but players aren't stupid, right? Players aren't stupid. I talk about the right now. When, when a, a head coach is asked, I remember Sean McVay did this with Jared Goff, uh, right? Hey, coach, is Jared Goff still your starting quarterback? And he said, Jared Goff is our starting quarterback right now. As if that's going to like uh, uh, wash away anyone's concerns. No, Jared Goff isn't an idiot. He said, right now? Well, what about tomorrow, coach? I need to plan. Right now, what about 20 minutes from now? Are, are you saying you, you might make a change then? And then obviously he ended up making the change and going with Stafford. It worked out for both sides. Goff's playing great in Detroit. Stafford won a Super Bowl with the Rams. But my point is the right now doesn't fool anybody. The non-answer answer doesn't fool anybody. Maybe back in the day, right? Maybe when there wasn't 24-hour sports networks. Maybe when there wasn't podcasts reacting to each and every one of your comments at a post-game press conference. But now there are, right? You listen back. How can a coach stand in front of a team and ask them to stick together and sacrifice for one another when, when the coach is going – well, actually, Tuesday's not good for me. I'm talking with the people from College Station. Yeah. Like, that's not how it works. And, and, and again, the, the, the other thing about this is players are human. You want to say, don't worry about what you can't control. You want to say, don't worry about it. You want to say, it'll all work out. You want to say, coach cares about you. But they're human. How is it not in the back of their brain? How are they not setting Google alerts for Mike Elko so every single time a new article from a college station newspaper comes out or a college football blog comes out that, that puts Mike Elko as the favorite to be the Texas A&M head coach, how do they not see that and then think, well, I guess I got to look out for me because Coach is darn sure looking out for him. This is all allegations. of Again, no inside scoop from the Devil's Den, 247 Sports on Mike Elko's future. But just in my interactions that I've had with him in post games. Mm -hmm. He's the kind of coach where at the end of the season, if they finish eight and four, nine and four mm -hmm. with a bowl win, he'll say, That's great. Back to back seasons of nine and four over our records, but we left a lot on the table. Uh, going back to that Notre Dame game. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's, that's, I would hope most coaches, but, but even like the bowl, like you, you bring up the bowl, uh, you fight so hard for bowl eligibility. Duke football, pre Elko, would, would celebrate bowl eligibility. They are now bowl eligible. If Mike Elko takes the Texas A&M job, they're not waiting until after the, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. 
right? That they want him on a luxurious, gigantic private jet uh, as soon as the regular season is over. So, so that like that is what I'm talking about. This is not a small conversation. This is a big conversation. When you are a college athlete, specifically a college football player or basketball player, right? We're looking at revenue sports. When you are one of uh, the those athletes on a Division One Power Five college campus, nobody controls your life like the head coach. Nobody. Not your parents. Not your roommate. Not your teachers. Your coach. Your coach wants you in a study hall. Guess where you are. You're either in a study hall or you're running at 4.30 the next morning. Coach wants to practice in the mornings. You reschedule your entire academic schedule, all your classes, so you have afternoon classes so you can practice in the morning. Your coach wants to flip it. You go reschedule all of your classes to schedule practice in the afternoon and all your classes in the morning. Your coach wants you gaining weight. You are eating more. Your coach wants you losing weight. You are eating less, working out more. Your, your grades drop. You're in uh, academic advisors and tutor meetings. Your grades are at, up top. You're being promoted, right? Your coach wants you to be at some local uh, 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 charity philanthropic event representing the team. Guess what? You're there. Your coach controls so much about your life. They are such a big factor in your life, and that's not even taking into account. They decide whether you play or not. Yeah. That's not even taking into account. They decide if this thing that is more than a full-time job, you're working more than 40 hours a week on, on your football when you're in college, if you're, if you're really at getting after it, and, and they decide whether that work pans out to on-field performance or not. And that guy, even if there's a 5% chance he's leaving, think of how much that would rock your world. It's not a small conversation. It is a very, very big conversation. And then enter UVA. At home, right? This is at UVA. UVA is a scrappy team. Are they the most talented in the ACC? Heck no. Heck no. But they've beaten North Carolina. They took NC State down to the wire. They took Louisville down to the wire. And they took Miami down to the wire. If, if, if you will have your mind – and by the way, their, their freshman quarterback, Calandria, he is – The future. Oh Well, he is a wild card. You're right. I do like him, and I think he's got whatever moxie you need to be successful. He's got to rein in some things in his game. But uh, he can put up 14 points in 20 seconds. He can also give you 14 points in 20 seconds. But he's, he's scary enough that, that if you show up to that game with that scrappy UVA team, with that young quarterback firing from the hip, if you show up and your brain is in the clouds going, I wonder if the next guy's going to like me. I want, should I think about the transfer portal? If I, is this game actually my audition for the transfer portal once a new coach comes in? and what's the When, when Deion Sanders took over Colorado, what did he tell the, the Colorado players? I'm bringing my own luggage, and it's Louie. Mike Elko moves on. The new coach brings in their own luggage. These guys are auditioning for the transfer portal right now. You better give UVA their full attention. And, and unless there are conversations happening behind closed doors between Elko and the team that Elko has not given us the privilege of being even hinted at, right, the type of cold, hard, like cold cut, no doubt I'm staying, unless those conversations have happened, I don't know how these humans, <laughs> I don't know how these players who are people too, 
aren't a little aren't a little rattled by it. You know, I, I talk about this uh, this phenomena I'm having, and and I, I talk about it with Dennis actually because Dennis has done the the college coaching thing, right? He's coached college across. There are certain um, things that my college coaches did that they used to get made fun of, right? We behind closed doors would be like, "Oh, this dummy." And and now that I'm in my 30s and I'm I'm looking back and I'm seeing other coaches dealing with things, I'm going, all right, I at least see what he was trying to do there. One of them was uh, my coach at Delaware, which, again, Delaware FCS, but we were a successful FCS program specifically back then. He you know won national championships and stuff. Uh, <laughs> he held the team meeting. This was right before I got on on to the the roster, so I wasn't in the meeting, but I heard the legends. He called the team meeting when Michigan hired Rich Rodriguez. I remember that was a big deal. Uh, Michigan was looking for a coach. It was Michigan, uh, which they might be. No, I'm kidding. Um, The coach, our coach at Delaware, reportedly held a meeting to let the team know that he was not going to pursue the Michigan head coaching job. And uh, the joke used to be that that would be like someone on our team saying they are making an announcement that they're not pursuing a date with Halle Berry. It was like, yeah, you, you didn't you didn't have a chance to begin with, Coach. But looking back, after seeing this Elko situation, if his name popped up as a dark horse on one blog in one place, maybe he just thought, let's let's make sure this isn't all over their 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 radar. Now he obviously misread the situation because it was not on any of the players' radar. But if it was, the right thing to do would have been to say, I'm not going for it. I don't want it. I'm staying here. If Elko's not saying that, players are noticing. If Elko's not saying, I'm not going, players are noticing. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. NC State found a loophole in my one game bump theory. I've been talking a lot about the one game bump this year because there's been a lot of of, of changes. And what, what I mean by the the one game bump, for those of you that haven't heard it yet, is when a football team replaces a head coach with a beloved assistant, right? You fire the head coach, you name a beloved assistant coach the interim. Uh, think about what the Raiders did, right? Fire Josh McDaniels, who is not a beloved figure. Promote Antonio Pierce, who seems like just every player's best friend. You get what I call the one-game bump. Same is true for replacing a quarterback, right? If a quarterback gets benched and you bring in a a beloved backup quarterback, a popular player on the team, you get the one-game bump. And, and what the one-game bump is is simply it's energy. It's juice. Everybody on the team wants to show out for that interim head coach, for that backup quarterback. 
right? The defense is like, hey, we want the backup quarterback to be successful, so let's make sure we go out there and we don't give up anything easy. The The coaching staff is going, hey, he, this backup quarterback might be a little bit in over his head. Let's make sure we're we're, we're buttoned up. Let's make sure we have our best calls. The wide receivers are saying, if, if there's a 50-50 ball, you better make a play because you know we, wanna, we want him to have success. And for one game, that energy is through the roof. The loophole is NC State's just going to keep changing quarterbacks and get a whole bunch of one-game bumps. We are up to our third one-game bump of the year. right? They, they had the original Armstrong one-game bump which was the the first game of the year where he put the team on his back a little bit against UConn and he was running the ball and they won the game. They had the MJ Morris one game bump against Marshall where the offense like running backs were running through tackles for the first time I've seen all year and and it was truly a creative offensive uh uh game plan at times for the first time I'd seen all year. And now you're getting another Brennan Armstrong one game bump or at least you got one last week. But here's the problem. The one-game bump is often followed by a emotional letdown, right? For one week, you you exhaust all your emotional reserves, and the next game, you dip down a little bit. Think about it like this. Brennan Armstrong's first start of the year, a win. His second start, a loss. MJ Morris's first start of the year, a win. Juice. Second start, a loss. Brennan Armstrong's. Second first start, right? This this reintroduction, first start of the year, win. Second start this weekend against Virginia Tech. And 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 that is the challenge right there, right? The challenge right there is is you need NC State to match the energy that they provided against Wake Forest last week, right? You need. NC State to match the support they gave to Brennan Armstrong last week. There's nothing that says you can only celebrate Brennan Armstrong's touchdown passes when they're the first one after he was put through the ringer and brought back out after the MJ Morris situation, right? After he threw that first touchdown pass, which was one of his best, I mean, maybe the best pass, the best pass of his season, the whole sideline lit up. You could also say you could also argue it was the best drive of NC State season, and 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 then they got to the sideline. The defense was hooting and hollering. Everybody was genuinely jacked up for Brennan Armstrong. I challenge you here, NC State, be that excited every time Brennan Armstrong leads a touchdown drive. Right, bring that juice every time. Right? Coaches say, I'll celebrate every win in college football, it's hard to win. Celebrate every win in the NFL, it's hard to accomplish. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I agree. You know what else is hard? Getting into the end zone. Bring the Celebrate that like Brendan Armstrong deserved it every single time. And, and it doesn't have to be Brendan Armstrong, right? If, if, if uh, Rafael runs for a touchdown, if Casey Concepcion catches a touchdown, if Trent Penix runs a trick play and gets in, like if anyone gets in the end zone, celebrate like they've earned it because they have, and that energy is contagious, which is why the one-game bump is something that is real. Support your quarterback like he's a beloved backup every time he's out there. Support your coach like he's a beloved interim getting his shot every time you're out there. Is the third time the charm for that? 
is the third time the charm for you have this emotional win. Can you smooth it out to the next game is the third time the charm. Well, I'll tell you who that's up to. Casey Concepcion. I'll tell you who that's up to. Peyton Wilson. I'll tell you who that's up to. Aiden White and Shy Battle on the outside. Savion Jackson and Jackson and uh, Davin Van up front. It's on Scott and Betty in the linebacker core. It's on the big guys up front. There's there's a very obvious saying that that right. You need a spark. That's why coaches make changes. You need a spark. That's why coaches call trick plays. You need a spark. And then there's catalysts, right? They're players that create that spark on their own. That's who it's up to, right? Because there's, you know, talking of, of, of what I was getting at, right? Brennan Armstrong scores that first touchdown after he's the starter. He's benched. He puts his body on the line on those, those quarterback run packages that he was a part of, right? He publicly says all the right things. He keeps grinding. He keeps working. He gets back out on the field. He throws that touchdown. The, the, the bench goes wild. That's contagious. Now the defense has more energy. They're making plays. But it all started from that energy, right? There's only really two two times the, the benches traditionally ignite like that. One, the, the story, the narrative, like I just said, right? There's a very deserving player that gets a play. Like it, it happens in the end of blowouts if like a like – a, a Rudy-type character, right, a four-year walk-on that plays his hardest in scout team every day. At the end of a blowout, his senior year gets a carry and picks up a first down. The The bench will celebrate so much. Or if there's a Brennan Armstrong thing, right, a guy goes through a lot, has some success, everybody goes nuts. The other is just a pure highlight, right? If you, if you hit someone going over the middle and their helmet pops off, if you make a one-handed catch like Odell Beckham style in the corner uh, uh, where he caught it with three fingers, right? If you make a true highlight, the bench does go nuts. So so if you want to keep the juice up, if you want to keep the one-game bump up against a team like Virginia Tech, who is is very worthy, favored even by, by uh, uh, the sports books. We talked about that yesterday. It is if you want to if you want to match that juice against a team like Virginia Tech, you either have to force it or someone's got to make the play. Right? Somebody somebody's got to hit the the circle spin move button uh down the field and leave somebody falling over with their their jock strap missing uh, metaphorically. That's what you got to do. You also got to keep in mind that Virginia Tech still is in the odds to make an ACC championship game. And then you have the history of Lane Stadium, it's always a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. And then also Believe it or not, there's a lot of similarities between Virginia Tech and NC State's program. They're both blue collar, hands in the dirt, show up to work every day. You got to provide energy. You got to be fired up for this game, especially if you're state, knowing that's your final road game in the ACC. Let's go ahead and uh, hear Dave Doran's thoughts on that exact exact subject, the similarities between his program in Raleigh and Virginia Tech's. Yeah, it's going to be a great challenge and a great opportunity and uh, incredible respect for the program that Coach Beamer built and that respect for Brent and how he's picked it back up, you know. Um, I know he's emulating a lot of the things Coach Beamer instilled in that program. You know, as a young coach watching what Coach Beamer did on special teams in college football, he was a groundbreaking coach when it came to how he attacked people in that area. And, uh, and I've always been somebody that loves attacking the punt team, you know, the rushing punts and attacking punters. And, and so he, he was a, a coach in my life that, even though he didn't know this, 
I was like, wow, look at what this guy's doing in football on special teams. He's changing the game. And so studied a lot of Virginia Tech film as a young coach, have great respect for them. And then watching their offense go from, you know, pretty old school. And then Michael Vick, you know, like changes college football on offense. One more element to this story when it comes to Virginia Tech. Brennan Armstrong used to wear a UVA uniform. I've covered both squads in Virginia. Uh, they don't like each other very much. It's a rivalry, old school kind. He's going to get a little bit of the business from the, uh, the fans in Lane Stadium. His team's going to have to back him up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.